0: Amen, amen. Hey, listen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, I appreciate Pastor Dave setting the bar high because I think it's a bar we need to lean into, we need to reach for, because I am completely convinced and have been for a very long time that God is positioning the body of Christ uh, all over the world, (coughs) but specifically abundant life that we are responsible for to be a powerful tool in his hand in this world that we live in. I'm sure that you, without any doubt, feel the shifting of our world, the, the change that's going on in our world, the way people have reoriented their lives. And there are both uh, difficult things in that, but there are also some very advantageous things for the body of Christ. He has prepared us. He has positioned us. He has resourced us. And I absolutely believe that we are positioned by God to reap a harvest of souls all across the river bend and his body across the world because of what he's doing. Now, I want to remind you of something before we get into this vintage series. I don't know how many years ago, many, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, there was a single word, a single phrase that the Lord began to drop into my spirit. And it reminded me of it this morning early as I was walking and, and, and I'll be honest with you, it kind of surprised me. And I almost wanted to say, Lord, that's not what I meant. And he said, yeah, but that's what I meant. I began to pray several years ago. And some of you have heard me say this many times. I said, Lord, stir us. Stir your people. Stir your church. Begin to move us and shape us and bring revival and bring a harvest of souls. And the Lord said, all right, I've been stirring my church. And that's when I went, oh, yeah, but Lord, but I didn't mean this. That's not what I had intended, and the Lord said, yeah, but that's what I intended when I had you start praying that we would be stirred. Come on now. God's got something he wants to do. He is ready for his people to rise up and become something that he can use powerfully across this world, but I do believe there's some things that we need to become and some things that we need to both pick up and embrace and some things that we need to let go, and that's what this series is all about. We'll be in Romans chapter 12 in just a few moments, but let me give you a few thoughts of introduction as we think about this. We've entitled this message Vintage with this tagline, Cool People Living Out Old Truths. What does that mean? Because when we think of cool, we think of sort of meaningless, sort of without any real substance, something that's only connected to style and something that's only connected through a, a, a sort of a transitional societal thing that moves from each generation. That's not at all what I mean by this. What I mean is people that can take the old, the, before the world began foundational truths of what it means to be people, what it means to live, what it means to succeed, what it means to be alive, what it means to just to just be at the top of what God has created humanity to be, people that can take the truths of the scripture, the only place, that those truths are found and live them out in the world of their time in a way that makes people hunger for them, that they are relevant in the time that they live in. That's what I mean by that tagline. Cool people, people that have gotten in touch with God, whose lives have been transformed, who have a testimony of going from light Uh, From darkness into the light, from death into life, there is nothing cooler than be heading down a road that's going to kill you and be redeemed and be saved and suddenly become alive where you were dead before. Man, nothing cooler than that. And then being filled with the love of God and being transformed by the goodness of God, but in the midst of all of that, not letting go, and this is what happens so often, not letting go of biblical principles upon which life is is founded, upon the only listen, every life needs a North Star. You gotta have a fixed point of reference, or we wander all over. Come on, that's what we're after. I gotta get back to my notes. I'm too too cranked up already. (laughs) Can you imagine, imagine what it would be like if this room were full of people? I would have exploded already. What does it mean? What are we focusing on when we say vintage? Come on, vintage truth. Vintage truth. Vintage beliefs. Vintage lifestyle. And then we're going to come to just a, a vintage idea of what Christmas is. We'll be preaching about those over the next few weeks. When we say vintage, let me, let me get back on target here a little bit. When we we say vintage, vintage is defined as this, Uh, as of old, recognized and enduring interest, importance, or quality, classic. What do we mean when we say vintage? Something that has stood the test of time, something that you you desire because it's, well, let's let's face it, it's not made out of plastic and you're not going to throw it away 10 minutes after you get it. Something that's going to be passed from generation to generation, not just because it belonged to somebody, but because it was something that had such value to them that when they give it to you, you instantly, I mean, you are instantly moved by the value of that thing. It's it's lasted, it's endured, it's beautiful, it's it's refined in such a way as to have great, great value to you. It becomes classic, not because it's old, but because of the quality that's in it. And it's something that you intend to take care of and steward and pass on to someone else that follows you. Oh, come on, that's good. We'll get to some of those in a moment. Let me tell you something that's vintage to me. I, uh, many of you have heard some of my story, you know, of the, of the brokenness of my childhood. And I didn't have anything, <coughs> I didn't have anything that didn't pass down from generation to generation. I have an older half-brother that's the only other Rhodes. I have lots of other siblings, half-brothers and sisters that have other last names, but there's only one other Rhodes. And he's 19 years older than me. He's George H. Rhodes Jr. We call him Dusty. Dusty Rhodes. That's just too good. and it, Yeah, everybody calls him Dusty. And when my father passed away, Dusty's almost 20 years older than me, <coughs> Dusty inherited all of my father's uh, firearms, all of the guns, all of the rifles and the shotguns that had been passed down, and I didn't have any of those. And I was in a discussion with my mom many years ago, and I said something about that, and she said, you, you don't have your dad's shotgun that I bought him? And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. She said, before you were born, back in the early 60s, she said, I bought your dad a Browning shotgun. Now, if you're not a gun person, you don't know about Browning shotguns, but an original Belgian-made Browning shotgun. And she said, and I bought your dad one. And I was sure that my older half-brother had it. So one time when I was with him, I just said, hey, does, do, you, do you know this? And he instantly said, I know exactly which one you're talking about. He said, I've got it. And he said, but it belongs to you. Mm. And I had that shotgun it's vintage you cannot buy it for a million dollars you just can't i don't shoot it i don't take it out it's all polished up it's back in the back of my gun safe why is it why is it vintage first of all it was made with a quality that few things are made today it's also vintage because it is of incredible significance to me because it's been passed from generation to generation it links me to something old something that has endured something that carries with it a a value now listen that's come on now stay with me that's what the teachings of Christ are intended to be something with such value something with such such enduring value that you have to cherish it you have to pass it from one generation to the next and that's what we mean when we say vintage when vintage is used as an adjective it it speaks of something being old and yet still of great value because of its enduring quality. I got some other things that I like that are vintage. How about you? One of the things that I don't have any of these, but I always appreciate people to do. Any of you like any of you like vintage cars, old classic cars that are redone. I've got some pictures of them. Let me let me see. I think this will come up. You'll still Oh, look at that one. Ooh, look at it. Oh my goodness. I, I don't even know that I can look at these. It's 1967 Ford GT500. That's Eleanor right there. How about that uh, 1962 Chevy Corvette? My goodness. Cool people. Oh my goodness. Camaro, 1968 Chevy Camaro right next to it. 1968 Pontiac Firebird. Oh my goodness. Oh, now we're getting into the really good ones. Oh, GTO. Any of you like GTO? 1964 Pontiac GTO, 1957 Chevy Bel Air. Oh, and then a real vehicle. Oh my goodness. 1969 Ford Bronco. Now we're into my now we're into my part of the world. 1969 Ford Bronco. If you had one of those, you're the coolest person ever. How about a 1956 Ford F-150? I love that Chevy. How about this one? Oh, Chevy Nova. Red Chevy Nova sitting right next to a Chevy Impala. Vintage automobiles. I don't know which one's your favorite. I want one of each. What does it mean, though? What do we mean? What made those vehicles what they are? They're old. Why didn't somebody just scrap those and throw them away? Because they become something that is cherished because of its enduring nature. It lasts. It it is something that when you see it, it speaks to the quality production, but also the care that someone took to keep it in that state or someone took to bring it back to that state. Someone invested in it. Somebody didn't just stick that out in a barn and forget it, let it rust to the ground, scrap it, throw away. No, somebody's got that in a special place in their life. They keep it. I bet they don't drive those cars in the rain. They keep them in, 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 in special special uh, temperature settings. And I mean, they, they keep them shot Why? because they're vintage. They're worth something. They're worth something because they're not making any more of them. There was just one of that vintage, and they're not coming back. Cool people living out old truths. Let me begin with this. Why vintage? Why? Over the years, I have watched from multiple different vantage points. I've watched the church. It's not uncommon. Why vintage it's not uncommon to find the church in one of two camps. As I travel the nation, as a district youth director, as I still preach out at times. It's not uncommon to find the church falling in one of two generalized things. And certainly there are people that cross over in this. But often you can sort of drop a church into one of these two categories. They are either very strong theologically. They are theologically correct. They value God's word above all else. They preach God's word in an uncompromised way. They they teach God's word. They they, they expect that those who lead their assemblies will be knowledgeable about that theology and that (coughs) that those lives will be theologically sound. So they are theologically correct, but they are unconnected to the world. They know the truths of the scripture, but the stylistic expression of what they are is so out of touch with the world that we live in today. that the sad truth is, is that even with all of the power of the seed of the word of God that they have, they're not planting it in any soil. It's not falling on lost ears. It it just is constantly repeated into the ears of those who already know Jesus. Because while they are vintage in their theology, and I hate to say it like this, but they're not cool. I don't mean that to say that they don't have... An empty style I mean to say that they're not using methodologies and they're not even they're not even trying to put the power of the word of God that they have within their spirits and within their lives they're not even trying to put it out in the world they're expecting that the world will come to them and the world's not coming and churches are diminishing and we lose churches every year Less and less people. Churches get to where there's an older and older demographic there, and the church gets older and older and older, and we see it all over the nation, and it should break our hearts. We shouldn't celebrate it. We should lament it when churches, they literally cease to be because the people die off. They died holding the treasure of the Word of God in their hearts. They died knowing the truth of eternity. They died with resources and testimonies and the knowledge of who God is, and they took it to the grave with them. The other end of that spectrum, and it's on the rise, and it's equally concerning, are those who have tremendous connection to the society that we live in. They have every piece of technology. They have mastered the usage of it they they bring people out of the of the most well trained institutions they are astute they are experts at the crafting of a message they have technology that places them on social media and literally millions of instagram and millions of facebook followers and millions of people that are following them in different venues of social media every piece of what they do is phenomenally excellent they have the best musicians they have the most phenomenal presentation facilities and thousands of people and not all of them are like this there's some powerful proclamation of the gospel in some but it's not uncommon to find those that have mastered those tools and yet they are theologically corrupt They've watered down the gospel so much that they are embracing of every new trend that comes down the road. They are affirming of every lifestyle. They have forsaken the truth of the gospel in order to be relevant. And I don't, and I'm terrified by what that position will say when they stand before a holy God. And he says, what what did you do with the Word? You you had an audience of literally hundreds of thousands, and you never presented them the unashamed, unabased, uncompromised, undiluted Word of God so as to put them in a place where they had to choose between light and darkness, life and death. You allowed them, you created a space for lukewarmness. I don't, want to, I don't want to put us in some sort of the only one who gets it. That's not true. That would be arrogant and it would be wrong. There are many preaching this same message today. God has called his church to be relevant in the world, to, 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 just, to just excel in the technology of our day to take risk and to move into places that we've never been so as to reach the next generation and the next generation, to release methodologies that are no longer relevant and to grasp with all of our heart, not because it's cool in the way the world determines it, but because only the gospel transforms lives and takes people from death unto life. But if they're not hearing our message, they're lost. The example that Jesus left for us was one of absolute devotion, unashamed devotion, uncompromising commitment to his father's teaching while demonstrating an infectious love for those he came in contact with. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Paul says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. I want you to notice, Paul, literally more than a thousand years ago, puts his finger under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, exactly upon the reality in our world today, today. There's a whole generation of young people that have grown up in the church. They've grown up with the Word of God being planted in them. But because of the cunning philosophies and the, and the teaching of this world and every wind of doctrine, they have been carried about and they've moved away from the teachings of the Word of God. Because it's, it's cool in the other way. Because there's a a group that will applaud them in the moment that someone stands and says, but this is the way of the Lord. Walk ye in it. It's declared hate speech. So be it, church. So be it. We, We may not ever become the largest church going. We may not ever be all that some around us might be numerically, but we will never at least in my tenure, we will never compromise the teaching of God's Word in order to placate the crowd that is sitting in front of us. We, we cannot do that. We must... We must, we must not be tossed to and fro, regardless of the political climate, regardless of what even those among us might want us to do. Someone, some group, and if not the body of Christ, then who must become proclaimers of the Polaris, the North Star, the fixed point upon which we navigate life. Must has got to be God's Word. We've been called, however... To not do one thing, but to do both. It's a tension. If you don't feel the tension, then you're not engaged. It is a tension between grace and law. There's a tension between style and substance. There's a tension between relevance and the proclamation of an unashamed gospel. And anyone that vacates that tension moves inevitably into one camp or the other. And now you have lost your ability to be all that God has called us to be. We cannot be just a proclaimer of the law without being a proclaimer of his grace. We cannot be proclaimers of His Word and forsake doing it in a relevant, meaningful way in order to reach every generation, not just one that already knows. We have to do both. That's why vintage, that's why this series, I believe, is so important. It's because we have to become excellent. We have to become skilled communicators. We have to vacate some things and pick up some other things. We have to change things and release things and become things and invest in things that we've never done before so that we might do both. Is it scary? It's terrifying. terrifying. Oh, Jesus, don't let us mess this up. Don't let us mess this up, Father. Don't let us mess this up. What does it look like? What does vintage look like? Because once again, it's not my idea. That would be, once again, you see, that would be like that would be like society. If it's only about what I think, if it's only about what some small group thinks, well, it's, it's sort of the flavor of the day. I'm not interested in it. If we can't find it centered in God's Word, if we can't find who we're supposed to be in God's Word, let's not be it. So what does it look like? What is this idea of being vintage? And do you understand that the Word of God stands forever? Applying the term vintage to it, that's just a new way to say something that's been said for thousands of years. What does it look like? It's found in Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 9. Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse 9, Paul writes this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. We could just preach that verse the rest of your life and you'd never run out. Let love be genuine. You see, people have tried to position the church where if you abhorred what is evil, you couldn't be loving. Vintage is abhorring what is evil and being genuine in your love for every person. Can you do it? Can you feel the tension of it? Abhor what is evil and yet be genuine in your love for every individual. If you don't feel the difficulty in that, you have not woken up to this yet. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast. Come on. Hang on to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. My goodness, if we would just live that. If we lived in a world where we spent our time trying to outdo others, honoring those around us, even those that oppose us, the whole world would take notice. But we don't do that. We castigate, we separate, we call names, we pull down, we point fingers, we isolate, we put others in camps, and that's not what God's Word has called His people to be. Verse 11, but don't be slothful in zeal. Don't be lukewarm. Be passionate about this. The church has become slothful in their zeal. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent. Fervent speaks to white hot. Be burning in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Come on, we live in a world that is so hungry for some hope right now that if there was a body of Christ rejoicing in the hope that the joy of the Lord provides us, people would be drawn to it. You and I can't be Eeyore walking around all the time. Oh, it's just terrible. It's worse. (laughs) Come on. The Spirit of the Lord lives within us. This isn't our home anyway. Let's get our eyes. Oh, listen. Look up for your redemption. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, let's be filled with hope. Rejoice in hope. Oh, but this next one, I'm going to take my pencil and I'm going to take it out. Be patient in tribulation. What? Be patient in tribulation. Sometimes I'm the first one to complain. And that's not vintage, that's the world. That's what the world does. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Oh, to the Lord, that some prayer warriors would raise up again, that would begin to bombard heaven. Verse thirteen. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hos seek to show hospitality. Listen, put that porch back on the front of your house instead of putting up a privacy fence and keeping it. Everybody- Check, check, check. There we go. The enemy doesn't want this Preach. Seek to show hospitality. Are we back on? Everything good? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Listen to verse 14. You want to see vintage? You want to see something that makes the world's head spin around? You want to see something that will cause your enemies to take notice? To know, to know, to know that the Spirit of the Lord is living within you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. And bless and do not curse them. Come on, body of Christ. That's vintage. That's cool, beyond cool. People that walk around taking it right on the chin because of their goodness and their hospitality. And they bless those who have done so. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It doesn't say do that for those who agree with you. When someone rejoices, rejoice with them. When somebody weeps, weep with them. Be empathetic. Be kind. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Oh my goodness. That's vintage. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody lives that way. Come on, let the Spirit of God so move in us that we live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Come on, work it. work that warming center. Help those that need help. Never be wise in your own sight. Come on, how about a little humility in the body of Christ? Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In the sight of all, yes. Be honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You're not going to be able to live peaceably with everybody, but as far as it's up to you, be at peace with everybody. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. What? That's God's word. Come on, that's vintage. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, come on, this will change the world. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's vintage right there. That's classic. You can't touch that. The world, the enemy, the gates of hell cannot, will not, has not prevailed against that. Now, lots of things we've tried to do, the gates of hell have prevailed against. But not this, because this is the Lord's church. This is the Holy Spirit bringing transformation into the lives of people. Vintage people are marked by some things. Very quickly, let me run through this and let me close this up. Vintage people are marked by genuine love. They are marked by a hate for evil things. Not people, but things. Vintage people don't hate anybody. Anybody. But they adhor what is evil. They hold on to what is good. They try hard to lift people up. They are passionate about the Lord. They are deeply spiritual. They are generous. They are hospitable. They are kind to those who are not kind to them. They are emotionally open and engaged with others. All of this is my interpretation of these phrases. They don't care about positions. They give good for evil. They seek peace. They help those who hurt them. And they overcome evil with good. And that's what vintage looks like. Only in the vintage truth of the scriptures do you find teachings like those. That's not anywhere else in the world. And if the world is going to have those kinds of people in it, it's going to become a reality in their lives because of the church of the living God and those who have embraced that. And they are both relevant in the world they live in and they are proclaiming an uncompromised gospel. And those people are being transformed by it. It's the only way it can happen. Government can't do that. Schools can't do that. That is alone found in the transformational truth of the gospel. Why is the word of God so important today? Because it alone contains hope for the world we live in. Even if there isn't a heaven. Even if heaven is not even a reality. If it didn't exist... The truths of the Scripture are what we need in order to live in society in a way that builds and affirms and creates and brings hope and brings life and lets little boys and girls grow up in a place where they are safe and secure and loved and cared for and marriage endures and people become better and better. Education becomes real. People's minds become better. Truth is exalted. Sin is brought down. All of that only happens in the teachings of the Scripture. We got to get that message out there. And it's only in the vintage truth of the scriptures that you find teachings like that. Only people transformed by those scriptures and empowered by the Holy Spirit can live that life. This world cannot survive. Worship team, come on. This world cannot survive long without vintage people. You lament what's going on in the political realm, things that are taking place in politicians' lives. Do you know why? Because there's not enough vintage people in places of leadership in our nation. You know why the school systems, if they are, we got some great teachers, great godly people, but if the higher educational systems of our nation are becoming corrupt in some way, it's because there's not enough vintage people there. You worry about what happens in marriages and what happens to kids in homes that are broken. The answer to that is create more vintage people by the proclamation of God's word in a relevant fashion in the world we live in today. You find an area that's falling apart, something that's broken. I will find you the absence of genuine, now genuine, not faking it, not talking it, not in it by tradition, but people whose lives have been transformed by the living word of God. Find that, find vintage people. I find you something thriving, something that's alive, something that's bringing hope, something that's bringing goodness, something that's bringing life into our world. How about you? before I got up here this morning I looked there were about 100 connections about 50 on Facebook and about 60 on YouTube I don't know how many on the church's website usually 10 or 15 there how about you this morning to what degree to what degree have you found hopelessness creeping into your life I know I've been cranked up and I've been and I am I'm sorry but I'm not cranked up because I'm angry at people I'm cranked up because the world so desperately needs a church needs churches needs God's church to be so passionate about His word and at the same time leaning with all that they have into being relevant in this world we live in so that the word can get heard about you this morning the great good news and I don't know who might be watching I'm hoping there are some of you that don't know Jesus yet and the wondrous, the most spectacular aspect of this is that God loves you and me why? sometimes I don't get it sometimes I wonder why he loves me Wise patient like He is. But He is. If there is one vintage truth that you need more than any other and that the world needs, it's the hope that only comes from knowing how much the Lord loves you. No matter where you've been, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what thoughts go through your head, the Creator of all that is who knows every one of those thoughts, He loves you. So much so that He designed a plan through the sacrifice of His own Son. And Jesus willingly accomplished that plan so that your sins and mine might be forgiven and we might be transformed to a place that does make an eternal difference, but it also makes a difference here and now becomes hope-filled, peaceful, purpose, consumed by purpose. Circumstances don't suddenly get easy. But there's this hope always right beyond the circumstances waiting on you. I wonder if you're out there right now and you hear this. Something about this. You go, yes, I've been trying all this new stuff all these things that people promise to bring me some sense of peace and some sense of purpose and some sense of life i've been i've researched all of those and none of them have fulfilled me maybe it's not something new you need maybe it's something old something older than the heavens a plan put in place by the one who made and rest and purpose and joy. What do you have to do to get there? Bow your head right now with me and say this. Come on, cry out to him. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Save me. You don't even have to know what that means. He knows what it means right now. What are you doing? You're asking the Lord. And he can hear you. You don't even have to say the words out loud. He's God. Ask Him to forgive you, and He will. Ask Him to give you hope, and He will. Ask Him to show you His love, and He will. Ask, you, ask Him to give you rest, and He will. Ask Him to direct you, and He will. Ask Him to fill your life with people that will hold you up and encourage you and strengthen you, and He will. Give your life to Him. It's by surrendering your life to Him that you find all those things. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Take over. Direct me. Change me. Transform me into the person you have made me to be. And then use me to help others know this. Mm. Sing it, us, please. Sing it again. I will. Father, right now, let everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord. Oh, Jesus, draw your church. Those that have become a member of your church just this morning by praying that prayer. And all of those who have known you their entire lives draw us to this commitment to live absolutely passionate lives in reference to your word and your teaching and at the same time to learn and to grow, to be relevant with this message in the world we live in today. You take us, Father, on this journey so that we might proclaim it in a way that many sons and daughters would be added to your kingdom and that peace and joy and rest might fill every heart, even in the midst of the circumstances of the world we live in today and through every season of life. And Lord, we pray specifically this morning For any, Lord, I felt impressed even before Pastor Dave said said what he said, Lord, that there are those who are right at the end of their rope. They're right at the moment of despair. Oh, Lord, I pray right now such peace. Come on, church, those of you that are watching me right now, don't leave yet. Why don't you intercede with me right now? Let such peace sweep across every life, Lord, that the lie that the enemy has tried to tell them that their life is hopeless and it's without meaning and that it has no purpose. Oh, Lord, let all of that be gone in the name of Jesus. Let them rest. Let them breathe in and just exhale all of that anxiety. Let it be gone. And let the vintage truths of your word be the foundation they stand upon. Verses like, never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. He will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend, a brother created for adversity. You said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Your word says that you are a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are saved. Father, you said that the heart and the mind that stayed on you will live in peace. You said that a thousand might fall on one side and 10,000 on the other. That that destruction couldn't come near to your children. Your word says that we, oh Lord, we are We are sheltered under the wings of the Almighty. Vintage truths, old truths that bring hope, bring security for those who know them. Oh, we bless you. Your word says that you would build your church and that the very gates of hell couldn't prevail against it. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you, Lord, right now. Break every bond of stronghold the enemy has. Tear down every wall, Father. Break every chain. Set people free. Set their emotions free. Set their minds free. Set their hearts free. Oh, Jesus, let them rest. Let laughter and joy fill their hearts right now, Lord. Why? Because they're based upon truths that have stood the test of time, Father generation after generation have stood upon the foundation of your word and they have come through with victory do it again do it again we bless you today oh we bless you we bless you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus now if, you're, if you've been watching this morning and you prayed that prayer do something for me Pastor Dan watches this. There are, all, there are also people on, I think, both sides on the YouTube and the Facebook side that are, that are uh, uh, moderating this. And if you, if you post anything like, I have a prayer need or I pray and ask Jesus or anything, or you could just, uh, it, it, wherever you found this, there's probably a link to the church, the address. Maybe it's too, maybe it's too personal to do that there. But we want to know. You, you could text... Uh, You could text the ALCC to that number, and it will generate your information. And Pastor Dan will almost instantly this week. Early this week, he'll reach out to you. We want to know. We want to help. We want to come along beside you. Don't try to do this by yourself. If you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus, or even if it was a a rededication of your life, we want to know that. Reach out to us in some way through the website, through the text. Call the church. You can find it. We want to know. We want to get connected. We want to help. God's got a great plan. We'll be back here tonight at 5 o'clock for the furnace. You say, what is that? Listen, I hope every one of you comes back tonight. It's a powerful time of spirit-led prayer and intercession. If you don't know anything about it, come tonight at 5. Not come, but turn it on. It'll be right here in the same place. Same place you watch this, the furnace prayer will be on. I'll be here. Otis will be here. We'll be just letting the spirit lead, seeing what he wants to do through prayer. God's got a great plan, church. God's going to do some great things over this next month. God bless you. Have a great day. We hope to see you back here at 5, and then we'll be back here Wednesday morning at 1030. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you back here soon.